Back for another episode for all of your IDP needs. Part of the Fantasy Hawks Podcast Network. Once again, I'm, I'm going to be talking about IDP, defensive players, that is. If you uh, are interested in Dynasty but maybe don't want to dip your toe yet into the defensive players, go ahead and listen to our Fat Boys Dynasty that comes out on Tuesday nights. Great content there. But what I'm going to do today is really talk you in to adding defensive players into your Dynasty setup. Why? Because I have, no kidding, the best scoring system out there for IDP leagues. I've worked on it for 10 years. I've tinkered. I've gone back and forth. And I've made it so that defensive players actually hold value in an IDP league. They're not just afterthoughts at the end of your rounds, the end of your drafts. They're not what you draft in the last few rounds of a rookie draft. They are first-round talent guys that matter. The defense matters in the NFL it should matter in fantasy so with that being said I'm going to walk you through down the path as dark and scary as it may be on how to set up a league that'll give you the value that Aaron Donald deserves the value that linebackers should have so that when you're trading for players they're not just you know an add-on guy so with that being said the first thing I wanted to kind of go through is is go through last year 2021 season in our scoring system and tell you where the top performers, regardless of position, landed. Obviously, you still have quarterbacks that score a lot of points. That's the nature of the league, and it shows here. So I'll just go down our top 20 here. I'll go through the top 40 players just so that you have a little bit more variance of understanding. Number one last year was Tom Brady, followed by Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, then Cooper Cup at wide receiver, Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback back there after him, then Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, and then Jonathan Taylor. Aaron Rodgers comes in next, Joe Burrow. But then we have Aaron Donald, ranked number 11th in the entire league in scoring. Right next to him, Cameron Hayward, defensive tackle for Pittsburgh, 12th all in scoring. Kirk Cousins, then Devontae Adams. Foyaisade Olokin, the linebacker for Jacksonville, came in at 15. Mark Andrews, tight end, first tight end there at 16. Debo Samuel, Kyler Murray, Justin Jefferson, and then Jalen Hurts. So the top 20, yes, it has a lot of quarterbacks in there, which most leagues do, but you do have some variation in there. You know, you have some defensive players. And then when you look at the next 20, we start with Jordan Brooks, linebacker out of Seattle. He's 21 overall. Austin Eckler, running back. Christian Wilkinson, defensive end slash D-tackle for uh, the Miami Dolphins. Roquan Smith, Jamar Chase, Derek Carr, T.J. Watt, Travis Kelsey, Carson Wentz, C.J. Mosley, Devondre Campbell, both of those linebackers, one out of the Jets and one for Green Bay, Najee Harris, Ryan Tannehill, Big Bobby Wagner, Nick Bosa, clocks in at 35, Eric Kendricks at 36, then we have Tyreek Hill, Miles Garrett at 38, Kenny Moore, cornerback for the Indianapolis Colts at 39, and then Cole Holcomb, linebacker for Washington, checks in at number 40. So there's a lot of variant there, and that's what I love about this, is that you can have defensive players that win you a week, that are going to make it so that they're valuable. And so I go through those kind of points. So Aaron Donald was the top defensive player. He scored, on average, 24 
26.69 points a game. Right below him, Cameron Hayward was at 24.36. So we have value. If you're, if you're the best at your position, like if you're a running back, you're going to score 20 to 25 points a game, right? Like that's the goal. That's the expectation that you're drafting them for that value. So that's what we really need to look at, and it has to equal that out on the offensive side. Now, that is easier said than done by a long shot. Like I said, I've taken the time. I've spent years, a decade, actually, going through this and trying to understand exactly how we want that scoring setup to be. Now, as far as the offensive side, just so you know, for comparison, we have it's a point-poor reception league. Um, so pretty standard there. Now, we do do some bonuses for yardage, which, you know, I'm neither here nor there with, but it is something just to you know, be cognizant of. But as far as it's, it's just, you know, point per reception with a slight tight end uh, boost, and we'll go through that as we go through the scoring. Um, but I'll go ahead and I'll just dive into a lot of the scoring there. So first thing is we have two defensive ends, two defensive tackles, three linebackers, two corners, and two safeties that start every single week. So we have 11 defensive players in our league. It's imperative to know that so that you know where the, the variance is. We've also played in a league where we take away one of the D tackles and we put in an edge rusher that gets more bonuses for safeties, um, more bonuses for sacks, sack yardage, hurries, all that. I'm not going to go into that deeper dive situation on that one. So we're just going to go through the defensive tackles. We start two of them. Defensive ends, we start two of them. Linebackers, we start three of them. Cornerbacks, we start two. And safeties, we start two. So we separate out all the positions and we start a full 4-3 defense, if you will. So as, as I said with the tight end boost, the one thing that we do with our tight ends is it's 1.5 points per reception rather than the one point per reception that we give wide receivers and running backs. So just a little bit of value extra there because let's face it, the tight ends are just miserable in the league right now. It's just really, really sad putting anybody out there that's not named Kelsey, Mark Andrews, um, or Waller out there week to week. It's just miserable. So it at least gives some value in there, but you're never going to fix it when they're just they're getting kind of phased out of the game, in my opinion. But when we start looking at defense, you got to look at special teams too. We do do um, special teams as far as you know, blocked extra points and blocked field goals. Those are worth five points each for any defensive player. Block punts also worth five points, and then block punt for touchdowns. That's worth six points. So if you block it, you get your, you pick it back up and you run it back for a touchdown, your guy's getting 11 points on that play. Why? Because it's a super valuable play in the actual game, right? So it's no different than a 50-yard bomb to your wide receiver that he catches. That's how worth how many points? That's worth 12, right? Because you got point per reception, then you got the 50 yards, so that's six plus the six points. So it's literally no difference in my eyes when that, when that comes to that. Forced fumbles. If you're forcing a fumble, you're causing a turnover. Possibly, it doesn't have to be recovered by your team, just forcing the fumble. We have it for two points for, for all of our people outside of linebackers and our defensive linemen. So DNs, D-tackles, and linebackers, they get four points for a forced fumble. Fumble recovery is the same across the board. We go with three points there. And then we have hurries. So if there's tracked as a hurry in, in a game where the quarterback's getting pressured and they don't get the sack, but they get the hurry, you get a half point for that. But we break that down a little bit more. So 
If you're a defensive end, defensive tackle, or cornerback, you get a point and a half of the hurry. But if you're a linebacker, um, then you'll actually get just one point because you're going to be getting a lot more tackles. So you're trying to boost up the defensive end, defensive tackle philosophy on that. As far as for individual defense, when we're talking about interceptions, philosophy with interceptions, and I'll, I'll kind of talk the same way about with sacks, these are big plays. The best play that a cornerback or safety can probably make. So an interception caught is worth six points. But that's a little bit um, skewed because a pass defended is worth two points. So when you intercept the ball, the way that the scoring mechanism works, at least in our league, is it counts as a pass defense and an interception. So every pick, you actually get eight points. Then we also give um, a point one point bonus for every interception yard that they bring it back regardless of position so if they bring it back 10 yards you're actually going to get nine points out of that entire play then we go into some of the more special teams kickoff return touchdowns are worth six kickoff return yards are 0.04 per yard um, and as i said earlier the pass deflected is worth two points now we look at you know punt return safeties um corners Everybody really in, in this general vicinity is getting six points for a punt return touchdown. Punt return yardage is .05. It's a little bit harder to get yardage out of punt returns than it is kickoff returns. So you get a little bit more of a bonus. Those two are very kind of minor in our whole scoring system. Originally, it was something that you might look at when you're kind of in between two players. Oh, well, this guy plays special teams as well as a cornerback. So it might make me kind of get that tiebreaker as far as that's concerned. So... That's something if you really want your league, great. If not, it's not a big issue, but it's part of the game. And the whole purpose is to get the most value out of the players, the way that they're playing. And if they are returning punts, great. It also counts as the offensive guys too. So, you know, those third down running backs that are also getting punt returns and kickoff returns, it adds a little bit of value to them. It's never been something that's been ridiculous, but when you have that one game where they return one for a touchdown, it is pretty nice to have that little benefit there. So as we continue on looking at, you know, defense, the one thing that you want to make sure you set up in your scoring, and it might be just an afterthought that you don't really realize, but make sure that you have your defensive, individual defensive scoring mentality set up so that defensive players can get receiving yards, receiving touchdowns and receptions, anything that you're doing with your offense, however you want to set that up. Make sure that your defensive people are also available for doing that. Case in point, last year, Christian Wilkins scored a touchdown in a passing. They brought him in on offense and passed it to him, scored a touchdown. They've had D tackles in the past, take the ball to one-yard line, scoring touchdowns on rushing. You want to make sure that your players get that. And the one thing I'll tell you is you might be like, well, that, that doesn't really matter. It sure as heck will matter as soon as it's somebody that you're playing against or somebody in your league as your commissioner doesn't see those points when they watch that guy score a touchdown. And then you're going to be backtracking, trying to set it all up. It's a pain in the butt. So just go across the board, set it up from the start so everybody knows the expectation and everybody understands it. So you want to make sure that you have, once again, receiving touchdowns, receiving yards, receptions, however you do that. So point per reception, half point per reception, rushing touchdowns, rushing yards. You want to make sure you have all that information in there. So then we get into sacks. So standard sack is worth six points, just as much as a touchdown. And the reason that you really look at this is 
What's the record for sacks in a season? 22 and a half, right? T.J. Watt almost got there this last year. 22 and a half. What's the record for touchdowns in a season? 20, I think it's 28, right, with LT? Those are equal stats. A sack is worth a touchdown when you're talking offense to defense. 22 sacks in a season is a hell of a season, and T.J. Watt should be rewarded for that. So you, you have that worth six points. Even more so because you're not having as many tackles on your, on your defense, defensive ends and defensive tackles as you do linebackers. You give them a little boost on the sacks. They get eight points for a sack if you're a defensive end or if you're a defensive tackle. That allows more of a level playing field because you have the tackle hoss middle linebackers that will run your defense rookshaw. I mean, you have to make sure that your defensive ends are being rewarded for what they're being asked to do. They're not, they're, they're not asked to do all the tackling. That's the linebacker's job. They're asked to get the end, the, uh, the sacks from the end spot and from the tackle spot. So it's important to make sure that they get that value. D-tackles, you could argue, well, not a lot of them are actually going for sacks. They're going for tackles, and we'll address that when we get there as well. Um, safeties by a defense, you know, four points. It's a very rare occurrence, but it's a really nice little bonus to get that. Double up the points that the team actually gets for it. And then we get into actual tackling. So assisted tackles. So there is a breakdown between solo tackles and assisted tackles. Assisted tackles are worth 1.1 points. I know the number sounds like, why isn't it just one? Trust me, we've gone back and forth. We've adjusted. We've manipulated. I've spent years and years working towards this perfection. 1.1 is the ideal amount of points for tackle assisted. Now, if you're able to separate out, once again, your other tackling. Defensive tackles, we found that to give them value, we've actually gone to 2.5 points for a tackle. And then when we go into tackles for loss, it's worth one point for everybody unless you're a defensive end or defensive tackle, and then it's worth 1.5 points. And then we look at tackles that are solo. Assist is worth 1.1. A tackle solo is worth 2.2 unless you're a defensive tackle, and at that point it goes for three. That one's a little bit different, right? So defensive tackle assisted is 2.5. Defensive tackle solo is worth three. The variation isn't there nearly as much, but that's just based on testing and trial. What happens is the majority of defensive tackles get shared tackles because they're just in the middle of a pile of people. So you're going to get, you know, two and a half to three points no matter what happens with those tackles. And then we start looking at defensive touchdowns. So not the special teams that we talked about earlier, but if you take an interception and you take it to the house, you're going to get 10 points. Defensive touchdowns are rare. They should be scored as such. It's imperative that we make sure that something that will change the game to that dynamic is valued. And one thing you'll never get tired of seeing is when your quarterback is mounting a comeback and he throws it, to your safety or your cornerback, and they intercept it and run the other way and score a touchdown. You get the negative points for the interception, sure, but then you get a big old amount of points for the for the interception for your guys, not just you know the negative for the quarterback, the positive for the cornerback, 
and it ends up being a net gain, and <laughs> your quarterback has the ball again, so he can score some more points trying to get back again. It is just a joy in your heart that will make everything feel better. Now, with that being said, we're going to dive in a little bit more into my personal rankings of where I think season. So now that you kind of understand a little bit of the scoring and, uh, and philosophy behind that, we'll dive a little bit deeper. So my top 10 defensive players, number one is Miles Garrett. Defensive end, plays for Cleveland, only 26 years old. The key with him is consistency. He just puts up great sack numbers year to year. You know where you're getting out of him. Because of the scoring metric, he gets a little bit more points than some of the other guys do. His 16 sacks will probably be a little bit overlooked due to how great T.J. Watt's season was. But the guy gets to the quarterback year in, year out. He's averaged in our scoring around the 20-point line every year for the last four years. And with having a more explosive offense, you hope, with Deshaun Watson, maybe not this year because of the suspensions, but we're talking dynasty, he's going to have more opportunities to rough, rush the passer. So with that being said, he kind of is still in that number one spot for me going into next year going forward with dynasty. Number two, I actually have Nick Bosa. Now he's a little bit different when it comes to Miles Garrett because Nick Bosa in a lot of formats, might have linebacker, defensive end availability. They kind of flex him out in a 3-4 linebacker mode, but he still has that D-end availability. The great thing about him is that he's going to get more tackles than you would normally get because he's playing that kind of hybrid linebacker role, and that that's what really kind of sets it apart for me. He, he did miss some time last year. He has missed some time in years in the past, but... When he's on the field, he's explosive. He just continues to make plays. So it's one of those things that you got to focus on. Comparative, like, for instance, comparing it to Miles Garrett, he, he led him in tackles but had a half fewer sack and a few more hurries. But he's 24 years old. He's on a great defense. The team is, I'm hoping, not going to go super run heavy just because of the Trey Lance situation because that might take away some of his opportunities. But with the youth, athleticism, and capability of this young man, he is going to benefit um, from every opportunity that he has. Now, number three is Micah Parsons. This dude came on in a rookie year and set fire to the league. 13 sacks coming from the linebacker position. 13 sacks, three forced fumbles, and 84 total tackles, 20 assisted, 64 solo. My concern with him a little bit is if the sacks don't come, his his numbers weren't to where you'd have your top-tier talent at. you got to come from the linebacker position. you got to have those tackles, and 84 is just not going to get it done. Now with Jalen leaving town, you know, he left like halfway through last year. That helped. Um We'll have to see how that goes. If they continue to use him as a pass rusher because he's so effective in it, yeah, he's going to get some points, but it's not going to be, you know, even out if unless if he was like a 150 tackle guy. And that's what you want to see out of some of your linebackers. But the dude is young. He's athletic. He is going to run that defense for years to come. And you just got to, you know, hang on and hope for the best because 
I mean, he's going to be a week-in, week-out contributor to the team. You just hope that he can get more tackles in his sophomore year to help balance out his explosive games. Going into the number four player is T.J. Watt. Now, he's an interesting cat because he plays the outside linebacker role, and typically in IDP leagues, outside linebacker is not somebody that gets you a lot of points because of, you know, either it's the just not getting as many tackles, kind of, you know, what I was just talking about with Parsons, you know, then he's he's got to rely on sacks, and that's kind of a crapshoot going year to year. And when it's a linebacker, you don't get as much value as you would for defensive ends. So it's like, mm, I don't know. Von Miller was in this kind of waffling area as the outside linebacker as well for a long time in his career. But the thing with T.J. Watt is he is just so consistent when it comes to getting sacks. He just they, – they play him so well in that, in that system. It's, it's amazing that, um, you know, he honestly looks like he's better than his brother as far as when it gets to coming to the quarterback. I mean, here's, here's, since he came into the league, he had seven sacks as a rookie, 13, 14 and a half, 15, and then 22 and a half last year. So it's one of those things where it's like, holy cow, man, if you're going to get 15 sacks, then, yeah, I'll play you. Sure, why not? Because there's only 17 games out of the season. You're telling me you're going to get a sack a game. That's, you know, that's six, eight points, so you're good. That's going to keep you, keep you in most games. But no, most people don't have that kind of consistency when it comes to sacking the quarterback. So you've got to understand that he's kind of a little bit of an anomaly and just respect that and enjoy it if you have him on your team. Looking at number five, I go to Roquan Smith, 25-year-old linebacker out of Chicago. A little sad story on my own. I traded Roquan Smith away in our IDP league. Regretted ever since. He's just been a monster. Um, he, he's a tackle hoss. He can intercept the ball. He can do everything that you want him to do. And that's, that's kind of the do-all guy, but he makes sure that he gets that base in the tackles, and that is what is so beneficial. He's been consistent with it. It wasn't, hasn't been a one-year wonder kind of thing. Last year <clears throat> himself, he averaged 20 points a game. So he's going to get it done. He's going to take care of everything that you need on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, last year he only went below 10 points two games, and one of them was January 9th, which nobody was playing football. If you are playing Week 18 football, what is wrong with you? Fix that. No fantasy football in Week 18. They gave you the first perfect way to transition to a 17-week season this last time when we went to more games. But I digress. I'm getting off on a tangent. Roquan Smith is that tackle hoss guy that's just going to come in, take care of business, and do everything that you need to do day in, day out, and you're going to get that consistency out of them. For number six, I've had Darius Leonard off the Colts. This guy has set the league on fire when he came in with the Colts winning Defensive Rookie of the Year. And he's just another consistent, only 26 years old, consistent tackle guy. He takes care of of his defense. He calls the plays. He is their leader. They just gave him a fat contract as well. So he's going to be there for a while. Now, there is concern because they did lose the defensive coordinator, but I I think that he's the kind of guy that's going to do well in any situation. Um, I said last year he had 122 tackles, and that was a little bit of a down year for him. So I think that he's one of those guys that's going to just come in and, and handle his business, basically. So Darius Leonard, 
my number six player this year. Coming in at number seven is when we get into Chase Young. Now, obviously, Chase Young is, is a little scary because he, he injured himself towards the ACL last year, so we don't know exactly what Chase Young we're going to be getting back, but he's still only 23 years old, guys. So I think that he has all the capacity to be an absolute stud going forward in his career. His rookie year, he looked great. No questions about his capability there. And that that team is kind of turning the corner a little bit. They're, they're trying. And that defense is great. He's got sweat on the other side. He's He's got the situation to not have to worry about being double teamed every single time and continue to make tackles, sacks, defensive plays, everything you want. When we're looking at number eight on my list, I have Joey Bosa. For those counting at home, yes, that's the third Ohio State defensive end in my top ten. Listen, they're DNU right now. Until, until somebody else starts putting out some of these guys like this, I'm looking at you, Georgia. Let's see what you got. But holy cow, Joey Bosa, 26 years old, plays for the Chargers. He got Khalil Mack on the other side of him now. I was really curious to see if they were going to be able to get Jordan Davis to man up that middle because then Khalil and Bosa weren't going to get double teamed ever. Didn't happen. But having Khalil Mack to run up against him, is run on the other side of him, is going to be great. Bosa had some of his best years when he had Ingram on the other side to kind of ebb and flow off of each other. So I look for him to have yet another great year uh, for the Chargers. And once again, that's another, as I've talked about in previous podcasts, AFC West, man. You're going to be airing it out. You're going to be able to make some plays, and you're going to have more opportunities on the defensive side of the ball to rush the passer because they're going to be passing the ball a lot. And taking my number nine spot, I have Devin White, the linebacker for Tampa Bay. High draft capital linebacker pick. He has set the world on fire down there. Now, I am going to be interested if they bring back Nadamika Sue or not because he's played behind him his entire career down there. And I think that that really, you know, is understated how he's opening the, the ability for everybody to get to the ball from the from the front D line there. But that being said, he's an absolute stud. He ran a 440. He just takes care of business every week. He's another tackle guy and he has the ability to intercept the ball. He has the ability to to rush the passer. He has all those tools that you look for and that you want out of a guy. He averaged 16 and a half points last year. Not the, you know, not the top end of what we're looking for, but we're getting down to like the 10th guy, and he's young. We have to continue to look at that too. This is Dynasty Y. He's only 24 years old. I feel like he's been in the league for a while, and actually just looking up to realize he's 24 kind of blew my mind a little bit. Holy cow. But yeah, so last year he had 128 tackles. He's going to continue to be in that position. Now, we'll say he only had three and a half sacks last year. That's a big drop-off from his nine sacks a year before in 2020. I feel like the three and a half to five and a half is probably going to be more of his wheelhouse. Nine was a bit of an anomaly because, you know, even his rookie year, he had two and a half sacks. That's not his game, per se, and he's, he's much better just being that guy that's going to be stuffing the run, making the tackles, getting back in coverage, and, um, you know, getting some pass defenses, things of that nature. So he's never been the interception guy per se, but he is definitely a guy that won't shy away from it, and he'll definitely be a guy that will be out on the field on third downs, which is what's most important. Opportunity is the key. 
So number 10, my final player that we're going to talk about is the first cornerback slash safety off the board, and it is safety Derwin James. 25 years old. This guy has had a litany of injuries in the past. That being said, last year he was relatively healthy, played 15 games, averaged 17 and a half points, had 118 tackles as a safety with two picks um, and two sacks. So he's all over the field. He'll play in the box. He'll be in coverage. He'll take care of everything that you need. As long as this guy stays healthy, he's an auto start, set it and forget it kind of guy. He's, he's the best safety when healthy in the league, and he's the best safety for fantasy at this point in time because of his age. Now, there's obviously a pretty good safety class coming in this year. We'll see how that kind of plays out. But you trust with what you know, and Derwin James on the Chargers is something that I have faith in. That guy knows the system. They like him. They work in tandem. And with the defensive pass rush the Chargers is going to have this year, holy cow, they're going to have some errant throws. And I expect him to take advantage of that wholeheartedly. So with that being said, that's basically all I've got for you guys this week. If you do have any questions regarding the um, scoring format, I can send it to you. Uh, reach out on Fantasy Holics on Facebook. Shoot us a private message, and I can respond to you guys that way. Like I said, if defense isn't necessarily your forte, you're not wanting to dive in quite yet, feel free to listen to Fat Boys Dynasty Podcast on Tuesdays. we got some more Dynasty Podcasts that are getting ready to start up, so I'm excited to talk to you guys about those when those come out. But once again, defense wins fantasy. And if you follow my philosophy here on setting up your league, especially if you're setting it up from the very beginning, you'll be very, very happy with it. And what will happen, which is natural with our league as well, people still cater to the offensive players. They find more value in them. But the fact of the matter is, is that defense is just as important as offense. Now, I obviously also just went through every position breakdown. You can kind of blend those together when you're talking DNs, D-tackles, if you're just doing D-linemen. Um, same thing with your safeties and corners. Those were pretty similar comparatively, but the DN, D-tackle, we just give a little bit of a boost to the D-tackles because they're not getting as much value. But what happens in a D-line-only league, you're not going to have a lot of people that have D-tackles. But yeah, like I said, try it out. Trust me, if you're doing a one-point tackle kind of league where you feel like, Everybody on defense is just an afterthought. Talk to your league. Make some changes. Make that understanding. Learn together on where that value is. And I trust, trust me when I say you will enjoy your fantasy situation and your fantasy weekends even more knowing that every single player has real, true value and you're not just drafting defensive players because you have to. All right, this has been Defense Wins Fantasy with Seth Berger. I will see you guys next week. This podcast has been presented by the Fantasy Holics Podcast Network. 